all these all these prayers and energy just coming into one place like one it's almost like it became a stream of light mm. and i saw that stream of light just and i imagined it mm. that stream of light just going into the head first of all the head the crown of the surgeon that was going to be performing surgery the very next day beautiful so it's like i imagined time because time also another belief is that time is not linear time is always now right mm -hmm. so therefore i could go into that place um and imagine the the visualize the the channel of light going in through his head and then to his arms and then from his arms performing surgery with precision to then affect the the, the brain so whatever was being uh which was my wife at the time so it was her uh, her brain and then it all happening precisely the way it's Precisely, yeah, so it was. You got to accentuate the positive. Wow! I feel good. A little bit of feel good goes a long way. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just bad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? Hello and welcome to another episode of Accentuate the Positive Media with me, Karen Swain. I just wanted to say thank you to people who have been donating to the show. I have to say, I've had the show on now for nearly nine years, first on community radio in the last few years, three or four years, podcasting on YouTube and iTunes and a few different places. And uh, I always forget to ask for donations. I know other people do on their podcast shows. So last time I did a show, I asked. And you know what? Ask and it is given. And people have started donating. So I just wanted to say thank you so much for donating to the show. It really helps to keep the show going. I do it out of a love and a passion for people and a passion for the conversations and also to teach deliberate creation through other people's stories. You know, as a teacher of deliberate creation, I love talking about how we create our own reality. But I have a limited amount of stories. But when you talk to other people, there is an unlimited amount of stories out there <clears throat> that we can be inspired by. And today is no exception. I have the fabulous Joe Figliano coming on to talk about his story of deliberate creation and how he healed himself of a chronic disease that the doctors said was incurable. So I hope you enjoy the show and if you do want to make a donation please make one at the paypal uh, link which i have on the youtube and itube videos or you can go to my website and make a donation or uh, buy the the books on my affiliate link that also helps or sign up for a session or join our inner sanctum many ways that you can support us as we support you so thanks again excited Hello and welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain. Have I got another treat for you today? His name is Joe Figliano. Welcome to the show, Joe. Hello, Karen. Uh, it's an honour and a pleasure being here today. And we're going to talk all about deliberate creation today because Joe has an amazing story about how he healed himself with the power of his thoughts and the power of choice and all those things that I talk about on the show, you know, the power of being deliberate in what we choose to think and feel. And so he has an incredible story to 
illustrate that very fact. Let me tell you a few things about Joe. Joe is a well-being consultant, speaker, empowerment coach, author, and events organizer. Joe has held talks and workshops in the United States, Nepal, Australia, and to business owners, teachers, universities, high schools, charities, and conscious communities. He also organized regular community events and is the founder of Love Fest Australia, which we'll talk about, bringing conscious community together in celebration. Some more events are planned in Newcastle, Western Sydney's Central Coast and Sydney over the next six months, which is very exciting. And I'm helping Joe with a whole lot of amazing conscious spiritual conscious teachers, dance teachers, musicians, speakers, put on Love Fest at the beginning of next year. Do you want to chat a little bit about Love Fest at the beginning of next year in Sydney? For those of you that are in Sydney or coming, planning to come to Sydney, you might like to come. Yeah, sure. So I'm really excited. Um, so we're going to be bringing together uh, all of uh, conscious community under one roof. So there are so many amazing people around Sydney that are holding uh, various types of events, uh, things like uh, conscious dance events and different types of meditations and crystal grid and kundalini yoga dance and performances and so on and instrument, multi-instrumentalists and you know, that play, uh, people that play and sing amazing, uh, beautiful, high spirit music that create like a high vibe in, in their, you know, each, each in their own right. And we're just bringing everybody together under one roof uh, so we can, in celebration, so something that hasn't been done for quite a long time in Sydney. Um, so I'm really excited about that. And at the moment, that's planned for um, February. Yep. So he wasn't always, Joe, you weren't always into the conscious community. You were pretty entrenched in the corporate world, striving to get up the corporate ladder, pay the bills, you know, do all that stuff that we all do, you know, have a family, pay the bills, be a good person. Let's get into your story. What happened? How did it all begin this awakening and service to conscious expansion? How did it start? Yeah, for sure. So first of all, I want to talk about my eye. So you can probably see that it's a little bit um, going sideways. Now that's because when I was a teenager, when I was about you know, 14, I was in a park playing with a friend. And you know when you know, your parents say, don't play with sticks? Well, I played with sticks. <laughs> and... Um, and the stick went, went in my eye. So uh, that caused, the, I had to pull the lens out and then the, the muscle became weak and therefore it turned. And to me, that made me very self-conscious about myself. You know, and right. I, I struggled to talk to people as well. because I was very, very self-conscious. Um, then, so fast You were self-conscious because you had one eye looking in the other direction. Is that why you were self-conscious? Yeah, I was self-conscious of what other people may think. Sure. So, right. yeah, so um, yeah, it was a bit tough for me in, in the beginning and I, I tried to do things to fix it, but it wasn't something that um, it, it kind of, it didn't work out for me at the time. Um, so then, you know, fast forward a bit. So when I was 23, I wanted to start my own business and, you know, I was, you know, I, I wasn't good, a good social, good at, I didn't have good social skills. Um, but, you know, I, and I was told that I will fail, but, you know, I, I decided to, to do computers, even though I, it was the only subject that I failed in school. I chose, I chose to do that. And I, I worked really hard. You know, um, I, I wanted to you know, save money for, to, to, to raise a family, to get a nice house and, and make that business successful. Um, so I, I worked very hard for, for money, really more than anything. That was like a, 
very high in my values at the time. And what that meant for me, and I didn't really enjoy computers, but I, I love business. Uh, but what happened is I started, you know, in the early days, I started getting pain um, in my belly. And um, that pain um, started to get a little bit worse. I went and saw a, a gastroenterologist. And, you know, I, I remember walking in um, to get the results after they had done some tests. And he gave me this look and I, I knew that it was serious the way that he was looking at me. And I'm like, oh, oh no, oh my God, what is it? You know, and he says to me that I have Crohn's disease. And I thought, I said to him, what, what is Crohn's disease? So his response was, it's an autoimmune disease that affects your digestive system, especially your intestines. And you're going to have it for the rest of your life. You know, not in exactly those words, but that's what I got from it, right? Mm. Yeah, the allopathic model is it's incurable. It's in, in, incurable and, you know, I'm going to, have to live with it for the rest of my life. So, very much. Like, which is exactly what you did. You went in to cure it. <laughs> anyway, we're going to yeah. talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so then uh, he, he said, I'm going to have it for the rest of my life. And I asked him some questions about it and told me about you know, some symptoms, you know, other weird symptoms that um, I'm most likely going to get because of it and put me on some medication. And I asked him again. I said, I remember I asked him a couple of times. I'm like, there's got to be a way. Okay, what's, I actually asked the question. I said, what's the cure? How do I cure this? And, and he said, you can't cure it. You know, it's, it, it, you can treat it with medication. Here's some medication. So I started taking one set of meds and then another set of meds because I kept going back because the problem wasn't going away. And, you know, um, the suffering got worse. So the symptoms that he talked about in the beginning seemed to creep up on me over time. You know, they seemed to, it was a, it's like a, a fulfilling prophecy there where um, I was told that I was going to experience these symptoms and I actually did. Right. And, and, and those symptoms included, so if we fast forward, say about eight years after that, you know, I'm probably approximately 31 years old and, you know, I'm experiencing full, the full blown effect of symptoms. So that includes pretty hideous we won't get into the graphic gory details but you know joe's doing a chapter for the next book and you go into the gory details and i'm like <laughs> anyway but it's a pretty hideous disease yeah it's it's really debilitating and you know it really impacted my life quite a lot like i remember even, even my daughter remembers now she's 15 now mm. back then she would have been uh about two three three four years old up until four years old I would come, I would want to just jump around and play with her. It's something that I had this desire to do, but I just felt like I couldn't do it because I was either in pain or I was exhausted. And if I tried to play around with her, I couldn't have fun. You know, it was, mm. that's, that's how debilitating it was for me. And I remember I would lay down most time, most nights, I would just lay down to play with my daughter instead of running around. I'd actually lay down on the floor and, you know, teach her the alphabet or read her a book or something like that. And, you know, and, and I reached this point where, you know, I, I just, I was, I was in this place where I'm, I'm questioning, like, why, do I, why am I suffering for, you know, why do I have to suffer, you know, why? And I, I remember I went to, around that time, I went to the specialist again, and they were telling me, he was telling me that I need surgery, that I'm high risk of bowel cancer, 
it was to remove part of my inside, which was it's it's ridiculous the what it actually means. Which, like you said, I'll go into more of that in the in in the story in the, in, the, in the chapter. But it, it, I just I remember driving home and thinking, I can't believe this. Like this isn't living. Yeah. Like, uh, this isn't living. I'm not living a life by suffering every day from this disease and this pain and all of that, you know, like I, I had other things in my life that were great. That was like fulfilling a dream that I had been taught, which wasn't necessarily my dream. And uh, that, that dream was to, you know, um, work hard, save money, you know, have a house, have investments, have a car. So I had a, you know, I had a sports car that I wanted and I had the boat and all of those things. But if I'm not enjoying them, then what's the point? You know, if I'm not enjoying my life, if I'm not, if I don't feel like I'm living, it's like, what's the point of having all of that? You know, it's, it's uh, worthless at that point. So you were fulfilling those material dreams that we're all supposed to fulfill, get married, have children, make lots of money, have the great, you know, the holidays and the boat and the car. So yeah. you, you did fulfill those dreams. Yeah, I did. I did. Like I, I worked hard. So um, as you know, having an IT business, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I ended up, you know, achieving you know a lot of the, the things that I, some of the things that I set out to. Um, I didn't get the, you know, the Ferrari or anything like that <laughs> that I that I wanted. But you know, I did. Um, I, I achieved certain things that made my parents happy. For example, that my family was proud of. You know. Right. And that's a nice thing to do. It's just that it was a, I started questioning what was it really for me that I was doing that? Like, you know, I was taught that it was for me. Yeah. But there was something, something else brewing up inside because when I started questioning life, like, what's the point of living? You know, why am I here? You know, why, why am I here? Why am I suffering? You know, you know I started questioning and I, I got angry with the world. You know, I got angry that there wasn't a solution for me. You know, I got angry that, uh, you know, I felt like that there was so much control in the world, you know, especially with money. I felt like, you know, consumerism and, you know, why am I just, I felt like I was a robot that was controlled, you know, buying things, constantly buying things and consuming and consuming and consuming. We had so much stuff, you know, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Like I've, I've gotten rid of three garage loads full of stuff you know, within like a matter of two, three years, you know, afterwards. But we just had so much stuff and we're accumulating. And I'm like, what, what's, and I was just questioning it all. Yeah. You know, and a lot of anger was coming up, you know, I was depression and depressive moments and anger moments. And um, that went on for quite a while, you know, and uh, I always dreamed that, you know, I could heal and, and I could find a way. And I remember in the past, there were times when, I was told that things are impossible. Like, for example, I was told that I'm going to fail running a, a computer business because I failed computers at school and I didn't know anything about business. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so and then I made it. You know, I made it work. You know, like yeah, it's not easy and it's just like anything that you want to achieve. That's great. You know, it takes effort, but I got there. You know, and I also remembered, and that's something when I was told something that I can't do, but I also remembered something that. Uh, another moment where I had blind faith in in an outcome where it's almost it's almost um, it's like there is something 
greater than me that's in play. Blind faith is pretty powerful stuff, actually. So what did you say? Blind faith is pretty powerful stuff. Yeah, Mm. that's 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 right. So, uh, so I remember this one time. My my uh, wife at the time had a brain aneurysm Mm -hmm. about three years earlier. We were on the boat um, on the Hawkesbury River, just north of Sydney, and um, she fainted, and we rushed to the hospital. A helicopter came to Hornsby Hospital and flew her to Royal North Shore. She was on life support. And we were told that she was either going to die or be permanently disabled. And that was a really tough time for me. I remember walking up and down my house for three hours. I was alone and I was just pacing up and down. And again, that was a me questioning the point of living. And that was probably the first time that I kind of opened up to a new way of thinking and a new belief system. And for some reason, like after going, going through the, going through the walking and questioning, eventually I got an answer. And the answer was, uh, it was about belief and faith, right? So just have faith, just have faith, just have faith. So I had faith that she would be okay. And I visualized everybody praying and I visualized the energy going into the surgery and being coming up perfectly and that she would be home by New Year's Eve. I kind of, I felt it, I saw it. And at that, from that moment onwards, I'm like, no, she's going to be okay. I know she's going to be okay. Okay, so, so you were talking to yourself or a God or like where was your, what was your spiritual practice at that time? Like did you have some religious practice? Like, like who were you talking to when you were questioning? So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, because it's interesting when people, you know, question and they ask questions. If they don't believe in God, like who are they talking to? Or maybe they're talking to their higher self or their spirit guides or the aliens or the angels or, you know, I mean, who are you talking to when you're questioning? Because it's interesting. You know, I think that um, Eckhart Tolle became enlightened because he realized that he was um, talking to someone and he didn't know who. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's a, that's a good, good point there. So uh, very good question. So, I was born and raised a Catholic, mm-hmm. okay, and when I hit my 20s, so late teens, early 20s, I kind of noticed that it's not for me Yeah. at the time. Um, and so I went on this journey of looking to discover what is for me. Mm-hmm. And to do that, I started researching different faiths, different beliefs, different religions, um, from all around the world and you know I just I noticed that uh, first of all one common factor at the core of all religions that I felt that I noticed was love mm. um, but I, I did that research and I saw what others do and I learned about what others do when it comes to their faith and faith was also very prominent across different having faith was very prof- prominent across different belief systems and different religions and so um, then when this event happened um, I started questioning all of that is right. any is any of that true mm-hmm. is any of that true you know is there something else greater is there a higher power of some sort is there a God you know or is it not true is it maybe there's just me and we are just random you know so I started going through one end of the spectrum to all the way back to 
being a Catholic, uh, being someone that's a strict Catholic Christian religious person. So I examined all the way that end. This is in those three hours of pacing up and down, right? Yeah. All the way to examining the complete of all, everything is just completely random. You know, whether that means that there is no faith, there is no belief, you know. So I questioned all of that. And my discovery or what I focused on is that all of that is true. So in that there is, it's, you know, it can be contradictory one end to the other. And it's, you know, there's some kind of paradox happening, but my, what, what my realization at the time was, what if all of this is true? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm right. But what if all of this is true? I'm now going to utilize everything in my power to use all of these different faiths right now. So I remembered what I was taught as a child on how to pray being a Catholic. So I did that. Mm-hmm. I remembered what other religions did and I did that. Mm-hmm. I remembered visualize, visualization. I learned about visualizing and I did that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I learned, uh, I felt, okay, maybe I am God, right? Mm-hmm. So what if I'm, what if we're all gods and I'm a God too? Cause that's what some faiths believe. And I'm like, yeah, well, I did that. I'm God too. I can change reality. What if, you know, so I just locked into every single belief system on the planet and I said, yeah, I'm going to pray here. I'm going to visualize here. I'm going to create this. I'm going to create that. I'm going to use Reiki. I love that. You know, I have these discussions with clients and in the inner sanctum and people always ask questions, you know, what is it this or is it that, you know, like somebody, one person you interview said that, and then somebody else said that, you know, which is true. I just want to say to people, you humans, you're always looking for the this or the that. What if all of it's true? What if all of it's true? What if nobody's wrong and nobody's right? You know, like what if all of it's true? So I love that you, you're saying, yeah, I just did all of it. <laughs> just, I just did all of it. Just do all of it. <laughs> and I'm like, because what if one of them's true? But what if all of it's true? And what if I get one right and one wrong? And what if not all of it? That means I got all my bases covered, you know? People have talked about in the past. I had, <laughs> I've read about people that have talked about miracles and how they achieve miracles by just believing. You know, um, you know. I've read about saints and how they've achieved miracles. I've read about you know yogis in India and what they've been able to do and Sai Baba and uh, you know people you see, from all, all around the world. It kind of all falls under the idea not even an idea the truth that we are the creators of our reality so Mm. if we create our reality we can experience anything and there is no or you can't or you can because you get to create any of it so that's when i have different people on the show that have one experience you know they go like they have out of bodies experience and they say there is no hell and there's only this and then somebody else says well i went to this you know astral plane where it was very hellish and then people say well, is there a hell or isn't there a hell? It's just like if we're the creators of our our reality, everything is possible. Anything, everything is possible. Yeah. That's right. So that's, that's the, that's what, that's what happens. That was the night before the surgery. Right. I was pacing up and down and questioning and this is what. So something that you said that was really key, I visualized it and I felt it. Like you said, I felt it. I felt it like it had happened. I visualized it and I felt it. That was really powerful. 
Yeah, because that was uh, that's part of something that I learned from um, I don't know some law, the law of attraction, and I think Deepak Chopra talks about that as well, and Louise Hay and a few other people that are out there um, have talked about uh, Wayne Dyer, and and so I thought, oh yeah, I'll do that too. <laughs> um, so, and that was the last thing that I did because. I don't know, I just, at the time, I just felt like it was the best thing, the right thing to do. So I prayed in all different ways and then visualized And because when I visualized, I imagined my prayer, all my prayers, as well as other people's prayers that I knew were praying for her, coming to all the support, all the energy that was related around that, because I was also believing in the energy, which is another, another one. And I just saw it. I just imagined it. I just played with my brain. I just, Use my imagination. We all have an imagination, right? Mm. So just you and we, we access it differently. You don't have to see it in your mind, but whatever it is for you. So I just imagined all these all these prayers and energy just coming into one place, like one. It's almost like it became a stream of light, mm. and I saw that stream of light just and I imagined it, mm. that stream of light just going into the head. First of all, the head, the crown of the surgeon that was going to be performing surgery the very next day. Beautiful. So it's like I imagined time because time also, another belief is that time is not linear. Time is always now. Right. Mm -hmm. So therefore I could go into that place um, and imagine the, the visualize the, the channel of light going in through his head and then to his arms and then from his arms performing surgery with precision to then affect the, the, the brain, so whatever was being, uh, which was my wife at the time, so it was her uh, her brain, and then it all happening precisely the way it's precisely, yeah. So it was, so therefore it was a successful operation. So that's what I saw. That's what I visualized. Mm -hmm. Right. So it was specific. So the other thing, what I learned is that when you visualize, it's important to set the intention, yes, but also be very specific about. Um, what you are visualizing. So it's being specific and clear, you know, so I was clear and specific. It took me time though. <laughs> like I said, I paced up and down for three hours, right. but you know, my mind and my mind went to all weird places, you know, and, um, and like even towards the end of it, I felt my head was like really buzzing and I heard this noise upstairs and I got scared and I just ran to bed. <laughs> what do you mean upstairs, upstairs in your house or upstairs in some, altered reality in my house oh, okay. there was actually a physical noise like bang you know and okay. i was like what was that because i was in this some other weird place in my head because right. my mind was just shooting up in all these different places and then yeah. and i'm enough I, I heard that and then i thought oh, i just ran to bed because i was afraid but really it was i had just done everything i needed to do you know because yeah. i ended up completing it and so i feel so after i did that i felt and then I, I, I imagine I feel I imagine what it would feel like for her to be home by New Year's Eve and for right. all of it to be the way it is because that's part of you know the law of attraction or setting intentions and visualizing part of the process of that is to feel it you feel it before it actually happens and you feel it in your body so I saw it yeah. so I imagined it I saw it it happened and I felt I imagined what it would feel like for that to happen. And that's exactly what faith is, right? Faith is yeah. the absence of worry 
over a, a desire or an asking. Yep. Like, please God or a prayer, right? Please God and then having the absence of worry, like feeling like you've already received it. That's what faith is. Yeah, that's like right. Feeling and, like you've already received it. Yeah, and then, and then I said, thank you, God. All right, so I combined uh, other faiths, right? Mm-hmm. So that included the, here it is, I feel it, it's happening, right? Time doesn't exist. It's not linear. It's all now. So therefore, the job, therefore, it's done. It's done. There's no questioning. It's, she is healthy. She is healed. Mm-hmm. So thank you, God, for that. So and what that, happened? That was it. Went to bed. Next day, they did the surgery. She comes out, you know, obviously there's, there's a recovery, obviously there's a recovery process mm-hmm. and um, everything happened the way that I prayed for and that I visualized for and she was home by New Year's Eve. On the day, on New Year's Eve, she came home. Beautiful. So, beautiful. What a beautiful story. So this is, in the meantime, you're suffering, but you're seeing the power of faith, belief, deliberate creation, law of attraction, visualization, but, you know, let's call it that. You're seeing the power of trust with your wife, so you figure it can happen for her, can happen for me, right? That's it. Why not? <laughs> can do it for her, can do it for me. <laughs> Why not? So I just did the same thing. <laughs> so let's go into what you did for yourself. So, yeah, so finally, so through the suffering, I, even though it did work for my wife at the time, obviously, there was a recovery period for her, so I was supporting her. And support is also very important, I think. And then it was like, well, now it's time for me. Mm. And she was there to support me as well. And uh, I, and by the way, we have another daughter now, which is who's ten years old, which is so that's I'm just amazed that 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 happened. Um, so what happened for me was I started. Um, First of all, by again, it was the same process with the prayers. Um, and I found it more difficult for it to happen in a shorter period of time. It's not something that happened immediately. Mm. But I did set a goal that within 12 months, I'm going to be completely symptom-free. Right. 12 months. But it took me 18. Okay. It's now been 10 years. In March, it'll be 11 years that I'm completely symptom-free without any need for medication or special diet. And um, I've I've talked about this in the United States as well for one breakup. I think one of the first things you did, which um, I find really, really important, is the gratitude. You know, like even when you're in pain. I posted something on my Facebook page the other day. You know, what's his name? That crazy comedian that talks about spirituality, talking about gratitude. And when something grows wrong, we put all our focus on what's going wrong. And there's so much in our life that what's going, it's going right. And yet we just dismiss it all. And you were saying, uh, you know, that you could find that gratitude even amongst the pain that you're experiencing. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. So what happened? So because I remembered what happened in the past. So I then, you know, one of the, one lesson that I learned from that near-death experience was um, just the fact that I'm alive and breathing is a blessing. Just the fact that I'm alive. Which near-death experience was this? From my, uh, my wife's experience. Oh, from your wife, right, yeah. Near-death mm-hmm. experience. Because mm. she came so close to dying to death. Right, yeah. Okay. And oh, if she would have died, I wouldn't have had 
um, my second daughter. Right. Yeah. And so just the fact that, and anything can happen. What I learned is that anything can happen to us at any point in time. Mm. The truth is we, we, we have, there is no guarantee that we're going to be alive tomorrow. Well, yeah, it's highly likely, but there is no guarantee because she was for perfectly fine. And then all of a sudden, bang, the aneurysm mm. burst in her brain. She wasn't aware of it. And there are many other things that could potentially happen to us. Mm. So therefore I'm like, I'm alive and breathing and I'm grateful for the fact, just for the fact that I'm alive and breathing. Yeah. And then it started from there. Like I'm, I'm grateful that I can see, I'm grateful for the sun. I'm grateful for the birds. I'm grateful for the trees. I'm now going to go for a walk. I'm grateful for the fresh air. I'm grateful for the roof over my head. I'm grateful for my clothes, my family. And I just kept going. The gratitude kept going. So every day I would practice gratitude, gratitude. And then I started saying, thank you for my health. Because, you know, again, I did that visualization. Thank you, God, for my health. Thank you for my health. Because I can see. Thank you for my health. I can still eat. Thank you for my health. I can still walk. Thank you for my health. I can still hear. Thank you for my health. I can still, you know, um, uh, see the birds I can see and hear them you know so thank you thank you so that just kept going around in my mind in my mind again and again and I started looking at you know my the way that I was thinking and in the past it was there was so much of uh, the victim mentality of you know I uh, uh, why am I struggling why am I sick why am I this why am I that that doesn't mean that I don't feel it so even though I would say thank you for my health I would still feel the pain yeah I would say it anyway right and I've learned that that's also a neuroscience technique. It's a neuroscience principle to continuously repeat um, certain statements to then um, re repattern the brain to create new neural pathways in the brain. Yeah. Um, so then you can actually change the way that you think, you know, and this is Joe Dispenza talks about that. You know, I did learn a lot from Deepak Chopra, one of his books called the seven spiritual laws of success. Oh, I know. I love Deepak. Deepak was one of the first people I read that made me um, think about God in a different way. Because I think that, you know, like you, when I looked at religion, I just went, ah, bah humbug. And then when he <laughs> called the unified field of infinite potential God, I went, okay, I can come at that. You know, like, <laughs> I can, yep, okay, that's God. Yeah, the seven spiritual laws of success. That was one of the first books I ever read. I used to read it over and over and over and over again. And yeah. I haven't read it for years. Do you remember any of them? Yes. Uh, so I think the biggest lessons, two of the biggest lessons I learned, let's say, let's go for three, right? So one is meditation. So mm -hmm. meditate daily. But the truth is I don't like meditation. <laughs> not your typical. You're not alone. <laughs> I love meditation, but probably when I first started, I didn't like it either. <laughs> I didn't like it because, I don't know, it's just, it's not my thing. But not in the typical sense anyway. So what he also talked about was um, getting in touch with nature and connecting with nature. So what worked for me was walking into nature and just being with nature. So being with the tree or being with the birds, or being with a blade of grass. One thing that I would do quite often is just go and sit down in the grass, in the sun, and just let myself breathe and feel the sun and the grass, and look at the grass, and just look at the intricacies and the lines of the grass, and just be grateful for that blade of grass. Just something as simple as that. 
And I started doing that regularly. So for me, that was like my meditation. Right? And I would make that a daily thing. And the, the, an, an issue that I had was that my thoughts were just, I was constant, I'm a constant thinker. So what I learned to do was to just walk and let myself think. Just think and think and think and think. And I'd, I'd say, all right, I've thought about that now, incomplete. Okay, I can let that go. So what's next? Okay, now I've got to think about this thing. Okay, think and think and think. I've thought about that, let that go. So eventually, I get to a place where there's not much thinking left to do. And I'm in nature, right? And or I'm walking and I'm connecting more with nature. And then finally, I get to a point where I can relax. And that takes, that used to take me about 20 to 30 minutes. And when I read Deepak Chopra's book, he said, you should meditate every day at least 20 to 30 minutes, right? So I'm like, well, that, that and this makes sense, right? So I used to use walking and connecting with nature to, for my type of meditation, which is not your typical type of meditation. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. yeah, so that was number one. So point number two is once you're able, and I, I run workshops, on, on this now, by the way, I just did one in Sydney a couple of weeks ago. And so called change your story. So point number two is setting an intention, a clear and specific intention, like I did uh, with uh, my intention, as I mentioned before, was on the surgery and clear, and it was a clear intention on that. For my health, my intention was perfect health, meaning what would perfect health look like to me if I was to have it? What is humanly possible to have perfect health? Obviously, a human is unable to have 100% perfect health, but they can have like maybe 99.9%. Right? So what I imagined was what that would look like and what that would that feel like. And I would say, thank you for my perfect health. Thank you, God, for my perfect health. So I'd imagine what that would look like. And I'd, have, I'd be full of energy and vibrant and feeling younger every day and playing with my daughter whenever I like, jumping around as much as I want, right? Which is all of that happened, right? Mm. So, and I'm so grateful for that. Like, um, uh, because of, I went through all, all of my suffering. Um, every time that I experienced that, I, I, almost every time, I, gratitude just comes up naturally for me now. Um, and so, so setting a clear intention. So, Clear your mind first and then set the intention. If your mind isn't clear, you're not going to be able to set a clear intention. All right, this is something that I've learned uh, from that book. So number, point number three uh, that I'd like to share today is about purpose in life, So, which is spiritual law number seven, which he calls it Dharma, the law of Dharma, which is the law of purpose in life. One thing that happened to me when I was, you know, when I made the switch from the struggle to, all right, I'm healing now. I'm on my healing journey. I started recognizing that, or I started thinking, thinking that maybe the reason that I have this disease is so I can heal from it and help other people. Maybe that's it. I think that it is. That feels good to me. I felt that in my heart. That feels really nice. It feels loving. I feel loved by just thinking about that. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah. And it felt right. right? Mm -hmm. So I had to go through 
you know, so much suffering. I feel like I had to go through so much suffering in order to recognize that. And then I healed from that. And since then I have been helping others you know, to improve their life and heal their life in different ways. And now there's bringing community together and spreading my message in different places and being here right now, which I'm so blessed to be. Um, so I learned that, you know, I, there is a purpose in life. So if you're not experiencing it now, um, if you don't, if you can't see that you have a purpose in life, that's okay. You know, you can keep asking yourself the question because I started asking myself the question. Now, what if there is something more for me than what I'm doing now? Mm. Now, what could it be? What's something that, you know, what's something that I can offer to the universe, to the world? You know, what's a service? It can be anything. It doesn't have to be helping other people change their life. It could be even music or art, you know, like, Absolutely. yeah. I think, you know, that's a, that's a question that's on the mind of many people, especially people that watch my show. If I'm here to make a difference, then how do I do that? And I think that's something that we can get lost in. You know, my daughter knows that she's a lot of the young people really get that they're here to make a difference. But how do you do that? Do you do it with your art? Do you do it with your voice? Do you, you know, movement? I mean, there's so many ways that we can make a difference. And, uh, and finding out that Dharma, you know, what turns you on, I think, uh, is something that a lot of people struggle with. And like you said, you know, Deepak talks about the law of Dharma or the law of, um, you know, your purpose. He says, uh, seek your higher self, discover your unique talents, ask yourself what you're best suited to, what, you know, what lights you up the most, what turns you on the most. Yeah. Uh, and, and then, and there you find your Dharma, your, um, your purpose. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. And just remembering based on what you're saying, one thing, a question that I would ask myself sometimes is, if I was able to be my highest self in this body, what actions would I take? Right. Good question. Say that again. If I was able to be my highest self in this body right now, mm-hmm. what actions would I take? So I would imagine what would my highest self look like, first of all? Mm-hmm. Or what's my highest self doing? My highest self is living in joy. My highest self is confident. My highest self is helping other people, is making an impact on the world, is making a difference. Is, you know, what does that look like? And in the beginning, like, and I did that for quite a while, you know, probably two or three years, you know. But in the beginning, it's like, well, that's what it looks like, but I don't know how I'm going to do it. Yeah. I have no idea what to do next. And that's okay. Yeah. And that's okay. That's okay. It'll just, allow it to come it'll come it'll when the time is right yeah yeah itself. so in the meantime you know just do what you can you know I, if you i want to like go through yoga. quickly the seven laws yeah. just quickly for people who are listening you can look it up online but I, you know as i said i love these laws the the law of pure potentiality that was what you were talking about sit in silence get in yeah. touch with your potential the law of giving that's self-explanatory. The law of karma, every action generates force of energy that returns back to us. So every thought, every action boomerangs back to us. We've got Aussie talk here, a couple of Aussies online. It's like a boomerang. What you think comes back. <laughs> yeah. So it's the law of karma, the law of least effort, which is interesting. Uh, this is something I used to get stuck on when I was young. You know, Deepak always used to say, do nothing and achieve all. And I'm like, how do you do nothing and achieve all? <laughs> 
<laughs> How does that work? Yeah. I get it today, but it, I didn't get it when I was young. Same. Yeah. yeah. The least the least amount of effort you put into something, the more alignment you are with pure positive energy. The more alignment you are with your power. Well, that's yeah. that's right. Yeah. 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 So one thing that I used to say to myself is, Joe, you haven't done enough. You need to be yeah. doing more. Yeah. Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? You should be, you should be doing that. Lot. You have to do this, you know? So it was the constant having to do more and more and more. Mm -hmm. And what I had learned, like having that business, I was like constantly on the go. I was working. There was times when I was working six days a week, you know, 12 hours a day because I felt like the more I do, the more worthy I am, yeah. the more money I can accumulate, et cetera, et cetera. Exactly. And then with the law of least effort, it's turning that around upside down and that, that confused me too in the beginning. Yeah, turns it on its head. I know because yeah. we're taught to work hard. When you ever see anyone that's successful being interviewed on a mainstream interview, this is something that drives me crazy. They always say, they say, oh, how did you achieve your success? And they always say, I worked really hard. And that's <laughs> what gets pumped into us, you know, more effort. The more effort you put into something, the more successful you'll be. And so the law of least effort, do nothing and achieve all. You've got to do it with a wobbly head like you back. <laughs> Turns it on its head. So the law of intention and desire, which you talked about, and I think that, you know, intention is a powerful thing. When I was learning law of attraction, I was like furiously intending all this stuff. But you've got to have the law of least effort before the desire because whenever you come up against some contrast, desires are just born. You know, there's, there's no effort in desire. Desire happens in every second. Like, I want this, I want that, I want this, I'm hungry, I want that. You know, we don't have to effort with desire or intent. It just happens. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And that's why I had to slow myself down. Yeah. I had to learn how to calm my mind and the overthinking. I had to bring down not just the overthinking, but also the action. So I started, I started to do less. And then right. so the six days turned into four days. Yeah. Five, four, right? Then, then, yeah, four, probably four. And calm the mind, calm the action, do less, think less. And then the desires came up so much clearer. Yeah, that's right. right. Totally agree. Yeah. <laughs> And the law of detachment, a very Buddhist thing, mm. you know, detachment. Um, you know, when we're talking law of, like when you want something, when you're attached to having that outcome, it feels really effortful. It feels like struggle, doesn't it? It's like, I yeah. want, I want. But if you just like want something and let it go, you know, those little desires that you think, oh, wouldn't that be nice? And that happens like that and you go, oh, that was quick. It's like, because yeah. there's no detachment. It's just that wouldn't that be nice? So yeah. this is something when you're sick, I think that, and you really want to heal, you know, feeling detached from the outcome can be really difficult because yeah. especially when you're in pain. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And that was, that was very challenging for me. Mm. Um, so what I did is I, so I set myself the goal mm -hmm. for 12 months. I visualized it um, and all of that and imagine that happening and trusted and believed, like I've said, and then I let that go. Mm -hmm. and because I cleared, started to clear my mind more, you know, with those strategies, and I started to um, do less, all right, then it's kind of like it opened up a bit of a space for me to receive. Mm -hmm. And I started seeing things that I wasn't seeing before, and I started taking action on th doing things that I'd never done before. Because I'm like, because I also believe if you want to, a different result you need to take different actions and so einstein said the definition of insanity is um doing 
the same thing and expecting a different result, right? <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know if I agree with that because I think you can do the same thing, but you've got to do it in a different vibration. Like you've got to change your vibration. You can do the same thing and get a different result with a different vibration. Uh, that's it. Totally. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so I think that we can tweak Einstein's thing and just make it more now, <laughs> more quantum. We can quantumize <laughs> Quantumize it, yeah. We can quantumize it. So, yeah, for example, can't, can't get it this, a different result in the same vibration. Yeah, yeah. You, you yeah. So, for example, uh, doing something with gratitude is going to be uh, so much more effective than doing something with resentment. Absolutely. Right. It's a totally different scale. Absolutely. You're going to get a different result. Yeah. Agree. Yeah. Um, so, but I, I did do different things though. So I did things. I tried things like yoga and. Chinese medicine as well. And one thing that was big for me was working through my emotions because I was yeah. taught not to cry and that, yeah. you know, I need to be strong and not cry and that crying is weak. And therefore I would hide from my emotions. And I didn't know that I was doing this. I wasn't even aware of that until I started learning to just feel what is it that I'm feeling? What emotions am I feeling? I'll start to question what emotions I'm feeling. I printed out this emotional hierarchy chart. And, and I printed it out and I posted it on the wall. So I would question myself every day as to what I'm feeling. And you know, sometimes emotions can be tough to feel like emotions like guilt or shame. Um, you know, are emotions that I used to run away from a lot and not believe that I had them. Mm. And then by just sitting with myself, I would start to question, what am I feeling? What am I feeling? What am I feeling? And then things like that would come up and then I just let myself feel those emotions. So I think emotional healing is also, uh, super important because I think that thoughts and emotions are connected, but so is the physical body with emotions and physical body with thoughts. And then I also believe that there's a spiritual body. So I call it the four bodies of self. So it's the spiritual, the mental, the emotional, and the physical. Each one affects the other. So whatever, you know, so whatever you're doing in one spectrum is going to affect the other and vice versa. So again, I looked at everything holistically. What, you know, what do I, can I work on when it comes to myself? Also looked at, like I said, I tried different things. So I thought maybe yoga will help, maybe acupuncture will help, maybe a different diet will help, maybe um, you know Chinese medicine will help, which I did for like a couple of months and I had this really disgusting tea that I drank. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I know. Um, that Let me just go back to the feelings for a sec because you said at the beginning of this that when you did your eye, yep. you had a lot of um, insecurity about what you know you thought people thought of you. Yep. And so that was probably something that you really held on to too. It's like this, um, I don't know, how would you explain it? Lack of confidence? Like how would you explain that feeling? What was that feeling? Um, it was uh, l lack of self-worth and confidence self and anxiety. Right. So social anxiety. Social anxiety. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And um, the lower intestine where Crohn's disease is usually most prevalent can be in the higher intestine. Uh, is all about like not letting go of like not not letting go of what's not serving us. So, do you feel like that was happening to you? Like you were hanging on to all these emotions and you didn't let them go? Um, yeah, a big one was guilt. Guilt. And the guilt was because of um, I, I felt like I was just not good enough. I'm not doing enough. Not working. Not working hard enough. Not not working hard enough. Yeah, more effort. More money. effort. Yeah. Not making enough money. You need to make more money. You need to make more money. You need to. It's like that it was constant, you know. And right. I think 
that that guilt played a part and I wouldn't look at the guilt. I was just, you know, it was like I was running on a program. Yeah. Until, until I stopped and just paid attention. You know, I started recognizing what was going on behind the program, which was that, yeah. So what was going on behind the program? Not enough. So, so yeah, the guilt of feeling like I wasn't doing enough, I wasn't worthy, you know, enough. I think this is so key. Uh, I was just talking to someone this morning who's got stomach problems and I think that that's her biggest um, thought form. I'm not doing enough. I'm not achieving. I'm not doing enough. I'm not achieving. I've got a pain in my stomach. I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing, I've got a pain in my stomach. I mean, she hasn't got Crohn's disease, but it's hitting her in the stomach. And, um, you know, this I'm not enough, I'm not worthy enough uh, is such a big collective thought form that we have. And I, I suffered from that one for years and years and years and years. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. I'm not worthy enough. Until I think I was listening to Esther Hicks talking about how we're all an extension of source energy mm. and how ridiculous that we could, it could ever be that we were not enough. Like if you're an extension of God, how could you ever not be enough? Like sitting, doing nothing for the rest of your life, like you'd be a Buddhist in a, a, Buddhist in a temple just meditating for the rest of you, is enough. <laughs> you know, and uh, that really helped me get over my I'm not enough. It was like how could you ever be not enough when you're an extension of the source? Yeah, true. Love how it. did so, you get over it? How did I get over not being enough? Mm. I started to tell myself that I am amazing just as I am. Like one, one thing that stuck with me was an Alan Watts quote. Right. Um, I don't remember the exact quote, but it made me think like, you know, if is a tree not enough? Because we are part of the universe just like a tree is a part of the universe just like the earth is just like the stars are just like a planet is just like a rock is just like an ant is so we are all a part of the universe and if every individual part of the universe is what it is because it is part of the universe so therefore it's just what it is and it's fine and it is always enough a tree is always enough so i'm always enough the, you know, the stars are amazing. So I'm amazing too. And yeah. so you are as well. And so we all are, right? Yeah. So Regardless of what I do, I'm always enough. Yeah. Regardless of what I do, you know, I can do, all I need to do is just be, and just be me. Yeah. The more me I am, the more I will be in, in service to others or in my dharma, you know. Which so, is the last law, which we talked about. There's detachment and then dharma. Gotta say, the announcement, and wobble your head a bit. Purpose, yeah, yeah. I think when I came I back from India, I used to wobble my head all the time every time I spoke. <laughs> my husband was like, "Stop wobbling your head, mum." Anyway, <laughs> no, I, I think the reason why most people aren't living their purpose is, like, I I could be wrong. It's just the, my own little interpretation because it's what was happening to me, and that is. Uh, doing things because they think they have to right? rather than doing things because they feel inspired to, you know, yeah. and I think there's a difference between motivation and inspiration. You know, if you're motivating yourself, it, you need to put in energy to motivate yourself. Yeah. Whereas if you're inspired to do something, it's like you're being energized by doing it. Yeah, exactly. And, and if you're energized by doing it, then you're on, you're doing what you're meant to be doing. You're on purpose. 
absolutely i've been going through this very thing, same thing recently you know i um like losing weight when you're overweight everyone says you've got to exercise and then you've got to motivate yourself to go out and exercise and when you're fat and over and overweight and you, you can hardly walk up a hill you know to motivate yourself to go walk up a hill is really hard to do right yeah. so um i started losing weight by going on a juice fast and as i started losing weight i wanted to move more and so that's that inspired rather than motivate thing it's just like classic it's just classic because as you feel lighter you you're inspired to actually move your body more because it it doesn't hurt as much like when you're really fat and you move your body it hurts you know i see these big loser shows and they put these really obese people and then they drill them until they practically die on these machines and i just think that's no way to live <laughs> you know torture yourself to get what you want yeah it's just got to feel good and every part of it's got to feel good yeah. That's right. Yeah, it depends on what you focus on too. Like, and, and this is part of you know how thoughts can impact your reality. Um, where if you are focusing on losing weight, for example, I want to lose weight. Um, your focus is actually on weight, mm. and so what that means is that there's going to be you're going to need to motivate yourself to lose weight, right? And your and because you're focusing on weight, then what happens is it doesn't become something that's long-term. It becomes unsustainable. Mm. A lot of people fluctuate because of that. Mm. Because, and, and it's because of the self-talk as well. I'm not good enough. Mm. I, need to, I need to change me this way. Whereas if you're focusing the opposite of that, which is actually effective, which is the best way to lose weight, is to, first of all, I know this is going to sound counterintuitive, but don't try to lose weight, right? <laughs> Number one, Rule, don't try to lose weight anymore. You can let that shit go, all right? Excuse the language. But what you can do instead is focus on being fit and healthy. How much better does that feel? It feels so much lighter. I'm going to be fit and healthy. I am fit and healthy rather than I'm going to lose weight. I'm going. And using that visualization like you did with your health and your, and your wife like seeing it like it is now and then feeling it like it is now. Yeah. Yeah. Like just visualizing, which is hard to do when you keep looking in the mirror. I think what we do as deliberate creators, where we go wrong is we focus on what is and not what we want. Yeah. And as you'd say, time is not linear. It's all happening now. So if you live in the, t if you live in the now, like you have what you want, you're creating your reality. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, saying things like you know i'm fit and healthy now right actually helps you even if you don't believe it mm. and the way that you can actually um make it so it's authentic is by saying i am fit and healthy now because right so then think about one thing that you've done today that proves that you're fit and healthy so i'm fit and healthy because today i ate a salad for example I'm fit and healthy today because, because today I went for a walk. I'm fit and healthy because today I've drunk two liters of water. You know, I am fit and healthy because today, you know, I, um, I, I laughed a lot, you know, and laughing is healthy. You know, I'm fit and healthy because today I I'm breathing. I'm breathing is healthy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fit and healthy because I'm breathing. <laughs> Now, That's listen, it. let's just finish your story. So 
how long did it take you to go from pain and debilitation to um, feeling like living what you were visualizing? About 18 months, he said. It was an 18 month journey. Yep. I started it in September of, I don't remember the exact year, but a year and a half later, it was in March. Mm-hmm. And I, March is my favorite month because that's the month that I became completely symptom free to the point where it, uh, I didn't experience symptoms again after that. So I count down to every March, every year, and it's going to be 11 years next year. So, you know, nothing is guaranteed in life, you know, and I don't say to myself, this, there is, it's absolutely impossible that it can never come back. I'm just going to go crazy because of it. But, but what I do do is I say to myself, yeah, I am completely healthy and um, I just live as if I've never had it and I do things in moderation. I make sure that uh, I am now choosing to live as healthy lifestyle as I can and just so I can live longer. But for five years after my symptoms went away, I, I started, I was smoking and drinking and you tested it. Yeah. Eating junk foods and that. And yeah. Well, so I, I slowly, what happened is I slowly weaned, weaned um, off my medications. Right. And then I slowly weaned back on to my previous lifestyle diet, etc. Okay, so you did a lot of action. You yeah. took a lot of action to get well, as well as visualizing and feeling and, and conscious work. You did a lot of physical work too, which is you changed your diet gave up smoking and drinking and all that stuff. And then when you got healthy, you went back, you went back to smoking and drinking and your old diet, right? Yep. And um, why did you do that? I did that because I was testing my belief system for one. Mm-hmm. And two, I still wanted to enjoy all these other things in life, you know, right. I wasn't ready to let them go. You know? Yeah. Okay. And, um, and the way that I did it, like I said, it was a gradual process. Like, okay, this week I'm going to start eating fried foods again. Uh, have some fried food then i'm going to have some alcohol on the weekend and then i'm going to start smoking i'll have some cigarettes and then i'm going to do this and then i'm going to do that and then i kept trying and then it wasn't coming back so i'm like well this is cool like i've it looks like i've got this right you know and because my belief is that what i realize is that although by me changing my diet habits and uh, lifestyle habits helped um it's not the cure or whether if it is a cure, it's not it because, and there are other people that have had Crohn's disease that have tried that, but they been able to manage the disease better, but it's still existent. They can still see symptoms. Right. Right. So whereas for me, there are no symptoms and I'm like, well, that by me doing that, it's not going to, I don't believe that it's going to come back because I believe that the biggest factor was my mindset shift. Yeah. The way that I, shifted my mind my emotional my emotional shift my spiritual shift mm-hmm. i think that all of that um so therefore as you've said before like you can do the same things um at a different vibration exactly there you go you're, you're a example exactly <laughs> so i can smoke and party and, and live it up and eat fried food and i won't get sick anymore but uh, i have a different attitude towards it than i did before maybe yeah. i smoked before because i was stressed or maybe i drank too much because i needed an outlet because i hated my life or maybe i ate uh, fried foods because i hated myself and you know like and now i'm just going to enjoy them because i you know they're there i can do them but you kind of curbed those 
old our habits, didn't you? You started to the more you started falling in love with yourself. Well, that's right. So one one thing that I used to do was there were moments when I used to overeat. I think, right. um, and I, I don't do that anymore. And I do believe that there are emotions attached to uh, behavior that can be um, destructive or very unhealthy. So, for example, not only did I used to overeat, I used to overdrink, you know, and other things which mm-hmm. I don't do anymore. And I think that's not because I'm, you know, I'm not doing it because I don't want to get sick. It's because I feel like that I've worked on my emotions that yeah or attached to that kind of behavior like you don't have the need anymore yeah running away from my guilt and mm. things like that you know like drinking is something that would help me to not i wasn't an alcoholic or anything but binge drinking on the weekends is something that would help me to just uh, be more, uh, more socially more relaxed socially yeah which is part of the social anxiety part of me mm. um and now i feel like i don't need to do that because you know, I look at the emotion that's coming, arising because of that. Whereas before I wasn't looking at the emotion. Exactly. That makes sense? Yeah, complete sense. Absolute sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow, what a journey you've been on. <clears throat> wow. So, so you cleaned up your life, you cleaned up your health and, and then you're left with your dharma. Like, what am I going to do with my life? So becoming a... You know, you said, I can help people. So what do I do? What do I call myself? That was something that I used to struggle with. I used to call myself healer. And then I yeah. never liked the idea that I was healing anybody because I felt like I was taking their power away from them to heal themselves. So yeah. I'm like, okay, so what do I call myself? You know, and life coach never felt right for me. But um, so I called myself teacher. Yeah. And, and you call yourself life coach, I suppose. Oh, um. Yeah, I, I'm like you. I don't know what to call myself. I call myself something about? different to everyone. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, like I, I don't believe that because in society we set ourselves up with identification. Yeah. Like this is my identity. This is who I am. So back in back then I was a, you know, I was a business owner, owned a computer shop, and before then I was a software developer, and so I would identify myself as. So when I first got the disease, I was actually a software developer and I started the business like not long after, right? pretty much in the, in the same year. But what I would say to myself, well, when I first got diagnosed, I mean, I would say, I am Joe, software developer, has Crohn's disease. I have Crohn's disease and I'm a software developer. And so whatever you associate yourself with, um, actually, it's almost like it becomes you. Mm. So I was the illness as well. Like it was. Mm-hmm. So part of my healing journey was actually actually disassociating or detaching from the identification of having a disease. Exactly. So I started. I stopped saying to myself that I have a disease and mm-hmm. to others as well. I communicate with others. You know, so I stopped saying, "Oh, I have a disease." And during my healing process, and I started just saying to myself that I'm healthy. You know. Mm. And so I don't want to, I personally don't want to stay attached to any. That's a, big, that's a big one for people who have been given a diagnosis, cancer, diabetes, alcoholism. You know, they keep, they keep affirming their reality by saying, I am, I am an alcoholic. I am a diabetic. I am a, you know, I have a chronic disease. I am, you know, I have cancer. And, mm. um, 
Yeah, it's something I like to remind people of when they say it. It's like, I used to have cancer. That was in the past. What's in the now? Like, yeah. I'm, I've cured myself of cancer or I've cured myself of diabetes or whatever, or even I am healthy is better than any of those because it just it negates that they even existed or exist in your life. Yeah. Totally agree. Or even if that's difficult, you could say, I am healing. You yeah. Know, I, I'm healing from cancer. You know, yeah. I am, I'm healing from this disease, you know, and you know, that's that if you begin there, then that's fine. Just, you know, you're not identifying, you know, with a specific thing, you know, not that there's anything wrong with, like I was talking about being a life coach because that's where I began. So, so my, purposeful journey began as a life coach like i started you know looking at helping people that had a disease like going into forums and all of that after i healed yeah. myself and then i'm like well you know i'm going into forums and whatever but i want to create a profession around i want to do something where i can actually get paid to help people because i was paying helping people without getting paid for it you know yeah so i'm like can i make a living out of this and then i, I thought our oh, health coach might be the way and then i kind of resonated more with life coach because i love to help people to to change their own lives um, and help to facilitate for that. So I see myself more as a facilitator, you know, mm. uh, and I totally agree with what you said, where um, it's not up to me to change anyone. Like I'm not here to change anybody. It's up to the individual. It's always the individual that changes themselves. Mm -hmm. The individual must empower themselves and make a choice for themselves uh, to heal mm. or to, to grow or to find purpose, whatever it is for them. Um, it's always great to have someone that's there for you as a support or a mentor, right? So at the time for me, during my healing journey, I had uh, the Chinese medicine lady who believed that I could heal because mm -hmm. the doctors, the gastroenterologists, and they didn't believe it. They, they said that I can't do it. Mm. But the Chinese medicine lady, I asked her, I said, oh, do you think that um, I could cure myself? Cure, cure is what I said, from Crohn's disease. She said, yeah, you can. That's possible. Mm. cool so then i would tell her what i was doing with my mindset and this and that she goes oh good good it's just it's really nice little old lady you know and then she'd say take these herbs they taste disgusting but they'll fix you <laughs> yeah it was like that to take these herbs have acupuncture change your diet mm. so all that and it was really nice to have someone there that was also keeping me accountable mm. you know my my wife at the time who was also supporting me and helping me be kept accountable because i can say to her this is what i want to do so it's always really good to have somebody else there that can help keep you accountable. And that's something that I do with my profession um, as a, you know, empowerment coach. As a health facilitator, lifestyle a, facilitator. Yeah. I don't know. You've got, consultant, yeah, got, got to find these, yeah, consult, we've got to find these labels that, you know, fit with, with what we feel about ourselves. Yeah. Um, so, so it's, yeah, it's facilitator, coach, tr uh, trainer, teacher, consultant, you know, all, all of the, all of the above, you know, I speak for, you know, I've been speaking at um, schools and workshop. I just did a workshop in Sydney for, and uh, on change your story, which was on neuroscience space. I'm doing another one coming up soon on emotional healing. Um, and yeah, I run, uh, and then, so I did that for a while and I still do that now, but what happened is I found by doing things that, I felt like I was my purpose um, and I'm helping others, then something else started to come about. You know, like I started finding out that um, I had this desire to bring community together because I went to the United States 
in San Diego and really connected to an abundant conscious community there. And I thought, you know, I'd love to experience something like this in Australia or in Central Coast, which is where I was living at the time. So I made a few phone calls and got some people together and I thought, and it happened. And I'm like, well, maybe this is working for me. So, and it felt really good. It felt, I felt so much joy and love by doing that. Mm. Well, I'm going to do more of this, you know, and, and then started holding events and that's where our love fest came about. After love that. fest was born. <laughs> I love yeah. it. So I love love fest. Yeah. 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 Love fest. So, you know, I want to tell you a little story that I, I heard years ago and then we'll go more into love fest. I remember reading when I was like back in the day when I was reciting the laws of um, the spiritual laws of success, like really trying to get into my head, this concept of what we were being talking about today. And, yeah. um, there was this single mum that had no mum money and she was really struggling to make ends meet. And she was contemplating uh, the same thing. What would she like to do and what's she good at? And she thought, I'd really like to have my own business instead of working for the man, you know, so I could be at home and look after my children. And what can I do? Well, I'm quite good at, you know, typing and stuff like that. So she started to declare that she was a personal assistant, even though she wasn't. She just started like the I am thing. I am this, I am this. And she started. And so when she went to parties and people said, what do you do? She just declared this, even though it wasn't her reality, but it was a reality she wanted. And then one day she was at a party and somebody said, oh, I really need a personal assistant. And they employed her. And then the, the long, short, you know, the short end of the story is that she built a really big business because she just started to tell people, I am this. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, isn't that amazing? So I think that that's what you did with... Um, the love fest too, like you saw something, you wanted it, and then it's like, I can do this, I am that, you know, I am someone who brings people together. And then it just, when you make that I am statement, it starts to just all, you know, happen around it. It's just all coagulate. That's not the right word, but everything comes together around your statement of I am. You know? Yeah, that, that's right. And also, like for love fest, um, the, it's something that kind of came together. It's the law of least effort right? really at, at play. So it's almost like uh, I'm still, I still have this program where I feel like I need to work hard and, and make things happen and push things to happen. And then, you know, many times during, you know, organizing these events, I just kind of slow it down and just allow things to, to be. And then it kind of works out, you know, and community then just kind of, chips in different people come to the play and help yeah, out magic happens when you create a place of allowing and not try and control all the details absolutely mm. that's like like when we got on this show you know how does it work well we just start talking and we just let it happen you know like i don't want to control the details like write down questions i'm going to ask you i never do that i um, yeah. yeah the law of intention and desire and least effort that's that's uh, i think Funnily enough, I haven't visited the seven spiritual laws of success for so many years. But talking to you, Joe, and looking back on them, I've realized that I, that I, I now live them. Whereas when I was reading, I wanted to live them and I wasn't, but now I do. And yeah, and it was kind of like I stopped thinking about them and they started happening. <laughs> <laughs> that law of detachment. That's a law of detachment. Yeah. yeah, I stopped wanting to live them, and they started happening. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's that, that's true. The most amazing thing, it, it all comes together when you start to just detach from 
you know, having to have that particular outcome and you just let it go. And yeah. it's almost like there's something else that's doing the work. You yeah. know, like maybe we have to put in 20%, which is the action side of things, but the rest of it, you know, leave the details to um, something, something else to take care of. And it usually does mm-hmm. as long as you put in that 20%, you know, yeah. I think that's my experience anyway. All right, well, um, we're going to wrap it up now. So what would you like to leave people with from your experiences? Um, so first of all, with uh, if I can talk about life purpose a bit more, mm-hmm. um, following on from, from where we left that at, it seems as though my interpretation of it is that it's, it's a journey. It's not something that is beyond indoor way. For example, I'm a life coach and that's my life purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really more about just being in flow and letting your heart drive that, letting your heart and your inspiration, being inspired to take action, taking inspired action by letting your heart driving that. You know, that's whatever your heart is desiring is what your purpose is more than anything is what I believe, you know. Mm-hmm. And if that's, you know, being there for uh, children, like for me, you know, even spending time with my kids is part of my purpose, you know, to be there for them, you know, or, um, you know, taking, taking a dog for a walk because, you know, my mother's dog for a walk because, you know, I feel that in my heart, I feel connected to that dog and it feels, I feel love and joy to do that, you know. So, so I think, I think that's what it is. And you just, just follow. Sometimes it might mean stepping out of your comfort zone and doing things different. Uh, but if you're following your heart, then I think that's where you're meant to be mm. from my experience. And I think that's... Do nothing and achieve all, as Dina <laughs> could say. <laughs> Take the dog for a walk and achieve <laughs> the enlightenment of the universe. <laughs> <laughs> message, especially for people that are like, I've got to do, I've got to do, I've got to do, I've got to make things happen, I've got to change the world. How am I going to change the world? Walking the dog. Maybe you are. <laughs> yeah. And it's, so that's one. And the other thing I suppose that I've learned is the, um, you know, the paradox between the, the everything and the nothing, you know, and how there's power in both, you know, for example, uh, this is one example I can use when it came to my first ever love fest event. Mm-hmm. I remember, I remember that um, as that was coming together, there was a time where, I felt anxiety and pressure and having to promote and I need to promote some more. I'm not getting enough people buying tickets and uh, why is this happening? I have to do this. I have to do that. And I was just in that really stuck in that program probably for about two or three days in a row at one stage where I was stuck into that and I was doing, doing, doing. And then I just got to this point where I'm like, you know what, that's, that's enough. I'm just going to stop and go for a walk. And I went for a walk to the jetty because I was living in long jetty at the time on the central coast. So I went to the jetty and I went to the water and there was no one else around. And I was just with this beautiful flat lake water. And there was some, some birds flying around, ducks, whatever. And I just got back into the stillness of it all. You know, and let my mind again, let my myself think, think and think and think it out. And then get to that stillness and that nothingness. All right, to, I got to the point where there was nothing. You know, and all, as close to nothing as can be. And I imagined nothing, like what would nothing look like? And then connected to the, to the, to nature. And then slowly started walking back 
and I do things like this quite often with nature. Slowly started walking back, and then when I got back, and then I, and what I felt was that there's nothing that I have to do. Just that same message. There's nothing that I have to do. Just go back and just just relax and just feel just be in your joy. Mm. That's all. That's all. And so I started doing that. And it's almost as though everything, as soon as I started doing that, everything just started falling into place. Absolutely. Absolutely. That place of allowing, which is what we're talking about, do nothing and achieve all that place of allowing. You know, Esther talks about the three-step process. Ask, orchestrate and allow. And you're asking like that law of intention and desire. That happens naturally. You know, I want, I want, I want to inspire. I want to bring people together. I want to make a difference. I want to help. I want to heal. I want to be in love, whatever we want. And then um, let the universe handle the details. <laughs> like we've yeah. got to do some of the details. But the details have to be fun. I mean, talking to people, connecting to people, having conversations, that's all fun, right? That's all the fun of the process. But yeah. I, having done many events in my time, I know that stress of like, how are we going to get people here? <laughs> yeah, and it <laughs> still comes up. How are we going to sell How are we going to pay the And you know what? It still comes up. Like even now, I hold events and it's still it's even coming up now for me, you know. So it's okay if you get all this stuff that's coming up and this anxiety and all of that that's coming through you and the stress that's coming through you. What's important is that you recognize that. And then once you recognize that, you Change can it. You can then take action, you know, that's going to be consistent with what your heart desires more, you know, which might be just relax and just for me, I love going to the beach, you know, I go quite often. Mm. Just go to the beach and just sit sit with the beach or go to the beach. And you go and play, you know. And and so for me, bringing events together, there's a big part of that that's play, you know, and fun, yeah. like you said, meeting people and talking to people and all that. And that's, that feels, when I do that, like I feel in my joy, I feel it's coming from my heart, it's connecting, it's love, you know, yeah, that's, that's the place. So that's, whenever that happens, I know that's where I'm meant to be. So it's, a, it's almost like things come in waves for me. So you might, the stress might build up and then it's like, all right, bring it back down, cruise it along. And then just like a wave. So when the wave comes, just ride it, just go with that flow. So going with the flow, um, is when a lot of the magic happens you know it's beautiful you know? it's where all the magic is yeah. well we've covered a few uh, collective thought forms that are rife in our society i'm not enough and i have to work hard to get what i want yeah. what's another one we've covered today um, setting clear intentions yeah you know those i'm just thinking about what people buy into as their truth and none of it is true oh yeah uh, I'm, not, I'm not enough i'm not uh, doing enough yeah, I'm not doing enough. I'm, I've got to work hard. And the opposite is true. Yeah. So it's been beautiful to have this conversation with you. I hope a lot of people will get as much out of it as I have. And they remember that, um, you know, that in your joy is where the magic happens. Yeah. That's where the magic happens. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Well, yeah. And anything is possible. I think that um, your story illustrates that, you know, life is a journey of infinite possibility. Anything is possible. Yeah. Anything is possible. Yeah, everything and nothing. You know, it's whatever, whatever your heart desires. You know, is is the possibility in in this in this life. Um, and um, yeah, it, and you can imagine it. 
you can manifest it. I can't remember who said that, but some famous person did, Joseph Campbell yeah. or somebody, I don't know. Yeah. If you can imagine it and you can dream it, then it's possible. If you can, yeah, yeah, something like that. And if you can like dream it, you can achieve it. You know? mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, so, uh, look, it's been uh, a pleasure. So, Joe, for people listening on audio-only podcasts, where can people find out more about you? Okay, so you can go to my website, which is called www.joefigliano.com. So that's J-O-E-F-I-G-L-I-A-N-O.com. Or you can look me up on Facebook on Joe Figliano. Um, there's not many of us, like there's only a few of us in this world. Um, and you can even Google my name and you can find out a few articles and websites and that for me too. Beautiful. Well, I look forward to Love Fest in February next year, 2019. Yep. And uh, we're going to have a love fest of a time it's all about love obviously we're going to talk about love we're going to dance love we're going to sing love we're going to spread the love through sydney and the world <laughs> yeah <laughs> well yeah that's the intention is so uh, for for all of us that um you know are, are spreading some kind of or have some kind of modality that's um helping others or facilitating or teaching for others to get into a, a higher space for themselves and whether it's through music or art or speaking um, so it's about all of us kind of coming together and first, firstly creating a, a high vibration of love within ourselves and then opening that to the community in, at large and having um, an event where if anybody can come and experience that for themselves and there'll be different, different things that will be going on throughout the day and night and then taking that uh, vibration, taking that love with them wherever they go, impacting, um, you know, the people that they come across with, you know, so they'll, you know, their family, their friends and community, and eventually it'll ripple, a ripple effect to affect all of Sydney. So that's the intention. That's, that's the intention. Great. It's a good intention. You Taking know, the love out into their lives, spread more love in the world. Thank you, honey one. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure and an honour. I'm so grateful to... Um, be, have been communicating today, sharing my story with you, Karen. Um, and I have so much respect for you um, and love and to and for everybody else. And so thank you for listening and for being a part of this. Thank you. Isn't Joe gorgeous? The beautiful Joe Figliano. His uh, story is a demonstration that all things are possible. If you can dream it and believe it to be true, you can manifest it in your life. I think Esther Hicks says the same thing that every disease is incurable. You have to go inside to cure, <laughs> to cure yourself. So I hope you got a lot out of the conversation we had with the gorgeous Joe today. And if you are in Sydney in February and you want to know more about Love Fest, which is happening, go to uh, the Facebook page. He hasn't got it up on his website yet, but he said he will soon and put in Love Fest Australia and you'll see it there on Facebook. If you're on Facebook, if you're not on Facebook, just send me an email and I'll send you more information about it. It should be a wonderful, it's going to be like a day and a night. It's like a big festival. So it's going to be wonderful. Thanks again for joining me for another show. It's been wonderful to present you another show. I've got some more healing 
stories coming up in the coming weeks and um, channeling Master Jesus and things going on. It should be fun. So stay tuned for more shows coming up. And if you want to get a bit closer to the teachings of deliberate creation and get some coaching, you can either have private sessions with me or you can join the Inner Sanctum. Mind you, I'm pretty tough on you. You know, I don't take any of this pity party. We don't do pity parties in the Inner Sanctum. It's all about being the genius deliberate creator of your reality and, and buying into the, uh, you know, seeing life through the eyes of source, seeing life from love, loving all of it, loving all of it, loving all of it. That's what it's all about. So join the Inner Sanctum and also remember to get the book Awakened by Death, which also is stories that demonstrate how we, all things are possible. Your awakening journey is all about loving the life as it is right now loving life as it is thanks again for joining me love you all bye for now i was looking